Welcome to You Can't Get to Heaven in a Miniskirt, the podcast where it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. (laughs) God, so dumb. I am Jessica. And I'm Sarah. And if you would like to find us on social media, you can find us on TikTok and Instagram at Heaven in a Miniskirt, or you can go to our website at heaveninaminiskirt.com. This is our first podcast episode of the new year. Yes. So happy new year. Happy new year, everybody. Happy new year. Let's hope 2023 is a little more positive than 2022 (laughs) and the years before. So we're going to talk about, in typical New Year's fashion, we are going to talk about weight loss, but we're going to have a Christian twist to it because we are a Christian-focused podcast. So we're going to talk about Christian weight loss and fitness. We got lots of really fun stuff for you guys today. But first, I want to talk about maybe some New Year's resolution stuff. So Sarah, do you have a New Year's resolution this year? A New Year's resolution? Oh, God. Um, (laughs) My New Year's resolution. Is it to be in the Word, immerse yourself in the Word more, or like Scripture? Like, what do you think? I think it's to do the four main things that you need to do to connect with a higher power. You need to pray. You need to fast. You need to meditate on the word and you need to read the word those are not no no no, no scratch that I don't, no, I don't want to do that I my new year's resolution is probably to sleep more oh, okay probably just to sleep more and record more podcasts I guess yeah actually I feel like sleeping more is a pretty attainable one yeah maybe if my kids didn't wake up at 5 30 in the morning <laughs> oh fuck but I have a, a resolution this year oh okay What is it? It is kind of extensive, so I'm just going to try to keep it brief because people are going to think I'm super pretentious. But I kind of got the idea for the resolution when I was watching the Meghan and Harry documentary. (laughs) And (laughs) I know. I Sorry. But we're not going to talk about the documentary, but what I've noticed is that a lot of people really hate them. And as I was going through the journey of watching this documentary and reading people's comments is that like, there is such a lack of empathy in the world that it's like really scary. You don't have to like them. I don't really give a shit if you like them, but like there's people that are just so hateful. So what I've decided to do because my life is all about Christianity now for some unfathomable reason, I have (laughs) dove straight into this. I decided to take that idea of how there's like a lack of empathy and a lack of understanding and maybe apply it more to like my opinions of Christians and try to seek to understand where they're coming from instead of just making fun of them and getting mad. I'm still going to make fun of them though, but I think what I want to do is like seek to understand and have empathy for people rather than just be like, oh, well, they're stupid because they think this. Because I just don't think that that's a very productive way to go through society at all. So that is my resolution is to have more empathy and seek to understand people that don't agree with my political or moral views on the world. Do you think I can do it? (laughs) I don't think I can. I think so. And I think that's something that we could all do more of. And that's one of the reasons why we have this podcast is that we want to have dialogue with people and, you know, talk about ideas that we don't necessarily agree with and look at things from all angles. So no, I think that's super healthy. And I think that as soon as we as soon as we start demonizing the other side or like things become so polarized and when we're in our own echo chambers and not that we not that we need to go to the other side, but we need we need to bridge the gap somehow, right? I think so. So what are we talking about today, Jessica? So when I was doing my research for this episode, I went down quite a few rabbit holes. 
there's a lot out there for like Christian weight loss, Christian fitness. We're going to talk about a few things. We're going to focus quite a bit on Christian weight loss books because those have been around for the longest. Like Christian fitness influencers haven't been around that long. So there, there's just not enough like background for those influencers. I mean, we're definitely going to talk about them. But the culture for weight loss for Christians and non-Christians isn't really terribly different on the surface. They kind of go through similar trends and similar ideas. Like back when diet books became a thing, it was a lot more like shame-filled dieting, right? And now it's like, no lifestyle changes and you're beautiful as you are, except you're not. So you can't be fat. You have to be skinny. (laughs) Like that's kind of how it's like this thinly veiled like excuse. It's terrible. Weight loss came into the churches around the 1970s. At that point, the church stopped just giving only spiritual advice. They started giving life advice and financial advice and, of course, health advice. And when the health advice started, then the weight loss advice started in the 70s um, in churches. So then that's where you get some different like churches that are more focused on weight loss, like the Remnant Fellowship Church. Um, have you heard of the Remnant Fellowship Church? I have not, no. Have you heard of the documentary, The Way Down? No. Oh, okay. So we are going to talk about that in a few minutes. Okay. It's a wild ride. I watched it. It's on HBO Max for anyone that wants to watch it. And we will, we will get to it. So what I researched initially was just like the idea of gluttony for Christians. One of the seven deadly sins. Exactly. One of the seven deadly sins. This is where Christian weight loss, this is like where their roots really started, obviously. Okay, perfect. So as defined by Christianity.com, this is the definition for gluttony from our favorite website. (laughs) Uh, Gluttony is defined as the overindulgence or lack of self-restraint in food, drink, or wealth items, especially as status tokens. The English word comes from the Latin to gulp. Gluttony worships food to feed our own self-love. So also from Christianity.com, it says there is, it's like kind of like a Bible verse. It says, gluttony plunged the whole human race into a state of sin and misery with the first transgression. And then in parentheses, it says Genesis 3.6, which is the uh, Eve eating the apple. So they're basically- Not an like, apple. <laughs> they're all like, Eve, you started all this by being a glutton. So that's what Christianity.com thinks. Interesting. So- There is a list of five ways to commit gluttony. So it was first created by Pope Gregory I in the 6th century and then reiterated by St. Thomas Aquinas in the 13th century. St. Thomas Aquinas. St. Thomas Aquinas. So there's five Latin words that I'm going to stumble through and define for you. So the first one is laute, which is eating food that is too luxurious, exotic, or costly. The next one is studiose, which is eating food that is excessive in quality too daintily or elaborately prepared no more charcuterie no mm, you can only eat steak and potatoes when you're a christian nimis which is eating food that is excessive in quantity which like so too much food pray propre eating hastily so eating too soon or at an inappropriate time and so like me all the time (laughs) always snack (laughs) and then argenter says eating greedily or too eagerly. So it's like you can't eat luxurious food. You can't eat nicely prepared food. You can't eat too much food. You can't eat at the wrong time. And you also can't eat too fast. So fantastic. Okay. This is how eating disorders are created. Yeah, we're off to a good start. So that's kind of all I found about gluttony. But when I was researching, I wanted to know, like, what does exactly 
what does it say in the Bible about weight loss or being fat or like losing weight? And obviously there's nothing like being like, you need to be skinny. Like, obviously there's nothing. Don't try to fucking twist the Bible to say that God wants you to be skinny because it's not true. However, there is some scripture that they like to pull from to be like, well, this means that you need to be watching what you eat. So the first one is 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 to 20, which is, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. We've talked about this in a purity episode, this particular Bible verse. That could mean anything. Oh yeah. The body being a temple like applies to you not doing anything that they don't want you to do. Oh, it's such a control tactic. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, smoking weed, your body's a temple. Wearing a low-cut shirt, your body's a temple. temple. Wearing makeup, your body's a temple. Yeah. And so, obviously, it applies to eating food. Because, you know what? We can't do fucking anything as Christians. You can't even eat fucking food. And then there's Hebrews 12, verse 11. So, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Oh, my God. That seems so analogous to, like, the 2000s, my fitness pal, counting calories. Like, the, there's that quote that's like, suffer the pain of discipline or suffer the pain of regret. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing tastes better than being thin. Oh, like, yes. Uh, oh. Tumblr. Tumblr was, like, a bad spot. Yeah. <sighs> so we'll talk about... Thin spo. Like, you know, trigger warning, eating disorders, just so you guys know, because we're going to tell... A- couple stories about our own problems with food relationships with food i guess yeah relationships with food and how diet culture has affected us and now my diet culture had nothing to do with christianity like anything that i ever came across had nothing to do with christianity oh same but something that you said before we started recording was perhaps you have had a bit of a christian experience that you should tell us about yeah well it's It's interesting because when I was doing it, it wasn't necessarily for weight loss. It was more for, it was more like a spiritual practice of pushing yourself, like the practice of fasting. And the New Frontiers Church that I went to in the UK were really big on fasting. So we, we went to a retreat and we were expected to fast for like two days. And so like not eat anything. And you're like, you're just worshiping and praying the whole time. Are you serious? That is so creepy. Yeah. But then we went to like a pub that night, classic UK, like everyone goes to the pub after church. And we went to a pub and I had like, I had a beer and then, and then like someone had like given up the fast and they ordered a plate of fries and I was just like, fuck it. Like I haven't eaten in 24 (laughs) hours. Like I'm having fries. Why would you go to a pub while you're fasting? I don't know. <laughs> Why would anybody do? Because I don't want to fat. They're like, fuck this. I was I was eighteen, yeah. and we we were all just like so tired and weak because like it was pushing to see like how long you you can go. I mean, Jesus fasted for forty days. I do not recommend fasting for forty days. I also remember like we did fasting in middle school. Like remember the thirty hour famine? Oh, my not related God. to Christianity, but still kind of like a cringy <laughs> sort of famine. This is like the most early two thousands thing. It's so cringy. Oh, it's so cringe. Like you're gonna 
you're going to come into a gym and get to play games and watch movies all night. And But you're going to deprive yourself of food, just like all the poor children in developing countries. And then you get pizza at the end. Yeah. My parents didn't let me do it. Why not? They were like, fuck that. <laughs> they were like, this is a total scam. Like, they were like, you're not going to not eat for 30 hours. No. And so I was like the only one that wasn't allowed to do it. And so I'm like the only one eating all day at school. Oh, yeah. And my parents were like, fuck you. You're not doing it. They're like, you can go. Like, if they let you go and eat like sure but you can't go if you're no they just wouldn't let me do it i know it's just like such a weird concept like why can't we just like raise money for developing countries or like for international aid programs do we need to like be like we're gonna feel the pain of hunger like that's so fucking it just does not sit right with me at all and so dark yeah so i feel like yeah fasting i mean intermittent fasting is like a thing that i know some people they do um, but for me, fasting was all for spiritual reasons. But I knew some Christians who were young women that like there was definitely a blurring between like, oh, I'm good. God wants me to fast once a week or it's like helping me get closer to him. And I'm like, you're also just not eating a lot of food oh, and counting no. your calories. So there, I think there's definitely a place for fasting to get a little sketchy if you have disordered eating. If you have disordered eating tendencies, honestly, you're going to find any reason to exacerbate them and i mean fasting fucks with your metabolism too right so it's like it's not a it's not a healthy now if some gym bro came on the podcast they would be uh all over this and telling us how wrong we are but you're not yeah. uh, this isn't the joe rogan podcast so we're gonna say maybe if you're gonna fast you should talk to your doctor <laughs> let's just leave it at that so yeah my my experience with diet culture was definitely totally separate from christianity but obviously i grew up in the church i knew people in the church and outside the church that struggled with disordered eating so i feel like it's going to be interesting to hear about these diet books that you have researched yeah diet culture can take a fucking hike like i'm done with thin spoke culture i'm done with diet books like anyone who's peddling anything because what they're doing now is just be it's all lifestyle and wellness and that can suck it too because it's just diet culture wrapped in a new packaging so so gotquestions.org does this podcast also have sean mcdowell <laughs> yes <laughs> okay you know what before i get to gotquestions.org i'll just tell you the sean mcdowell thing because it was the fucking funniest thing i discovered unfortunately he doesn't have anything good for like weight loss and fitness but i kept googling it like i would not give it up i just really wanted to find something turns out he wrote a book on intermittent (laughs) fasting in like 2021 and it's like a 25 page book that you can buy it's called like i swear to god and it's by him like i had to like deeply google this because i was like is this the same as sean mcdowell it's called intermittent fasting structures all about the feast and famine diet a step-by-step guide to lose weight by sean mcdowell it has one rating on amazon you can buy it are you sure he wrote it a hundred percent because if you go it says it says by sean mcdowell and you can click on his name right on amazon like i swear to god it has to be right i i don't know who else what other sean mcdowell this would be unless there's a mistake and it says that he wrote all the other books that sean mcdowell wrote like his weird christian books his apologetic books and it's 13.99 paperback it's 29 pages i refuse to fucking buy it wow 
but it has nothing to do with Christianity. So I'm like, is this the same shopping towel? But when you should have seen my face when I discovered this, my my jaw dropped to the fucking floor. Oh my gosh. But then I realized that there's not much meat in this story here, unfortunately. There's one five-star review. But feasting and famine, like that has like Bible vibes when you're saying feasting and famine. Yeah, it does. But literally even like the description, it's just like, this is what intermittent fasting is. Like it has nothing to do with Jesus. So he wrote that in February, 2021. So anyway, sorry, Sarah, I really disappointed you. He's branching out into other areas. Yeah. Jesus isn't paying as much as he was before, is he? So godquestions.org says about weight loss. It had a few different threads on weight loss, but my favorite ones, it says, Jesus taught us to seek a balance between the physical and the spiritual. Quote, men should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that's Matthew 4, 4. And we've talked about that quote before because Jesus says it to the devil. Yes. When when Satan's trying to tempt him. Oh my God, I'm learning so much about the Bible. So they say the bottom line is that the Lord wants his children to take good care of their bodies since their bodies are the residents of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? <laughs> Did you know that my body? Did you know he's a pretty cool guy? <laughs> <laughs> a strong, healthy body helps us to serve God and thus bring glory and honor to him, our principal reason for living. Do you know why a lot of Christians won't get cremated? Because they think their bodies are going to resurrect after. Like when Jesus comes back. Shut the fuck up. So that's why you got to take. That's not true. <laughs> that can't be true. Dad. Stop it. Stop. That's why you got to also take care of your body. It's a temple. It's not rotting in the ground. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just waiting, waiting for the day. Oh my God. The second coming. To be resurrected to do what? Like to walk the earth? To live on earth for a thousand years, silly. What? Yeah, when Jesus comes and like destroys everything and the devil and the. And everyone, like all the bad people are cast into hell. Jesus is going to turn the earth, like he's going to have like a second earth for a thousand years before everyone goes to heaven. Why? That's in, that's in Revelations? Yeah. Oh my God. The Revelations is just some guy that had a weird dream. Or he ate some mushrooms. Yeah, or that. Um, yes. There's still a quote. that I wasn't done with the quote from godquestions.org, but the rest of it is not that interesting. It says, the Lord wants us to keep our focus on him and not follow into obsessing about weight gain, weight loss, or food or drink, any of which can become an idol in our lives. So I think like Christians from the outside, they're like, don't obsess about this, but also don't be fat. So to be fair, I think that's society in general. I think especially like growing up in the 90s, it was like that Paris Hilton, like you wanted to be like a waif. You wanted to be blown over by the wind. And <laughs> I feel like that's coming back. Oh, it is. And I hate it. I'm like, no, I, you know, yeah. I'm just not going to subscribe to that. It's fucking bullshit. I, I don't really know what to think about it. It's going to be hard raising daughters in this, in this economy, in this economy, <laughs> in this society. <laughs> anyway, so on to diet books. So have you ever read a Christian diet book? No, I have not. Okay. So Christian diet books have been around for many, many years, since at least the 1960s. Some of the early titles, which I'm not going to dive into, but the early early titles of the books make me laugh. It's uh, I Prayed Myself Slim, Devotions for Dieters, More of Jesus, Less of Me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. That's so good. <laughs> and then one called free to be thin which sold 1.4 million copies that is a lot the okay and then the 1980s there was like christian branded exercise programs yeah including believer size no (laughs) no no jehovics jehovics 
faithfully fit and praise aerobics. And I mean, I don't have a video on praise aerobics, but I did watch videos on praise aerobics. And I just think you should Google it and watch it because it's just really funny. Oh my God. It just wasn't going to really translate to our audio podcast, but they are on YouTube and they're like current. Like there are people that are like, we're going to praise Jesus while we do aerobics. And it's amazing. And all the comments are like, I'm so happy that I get to listen to Christian music while I do my aerobics at home. (laughs) It's fantastic. Oh my God. So... Now I'm going to dive into the more modern books that I ended up reading. The first one is actually a very popular Christian diet book, and it's called Made to Crave. It's written by Lisa Turkhurst. She's an evangelical Christian author, and she has a bunch of books, but this is like her most popular one. And I think it was actually quite popular when it came out. It was like number one on the New York Times list for like Christian books. I mean, I can see how there's totally a market for that. I mean, I think some elements like saying like, you know, humans, sometimes we use food as a way to cope with emotions. Like, I think there could be some good stuff in there. I Sure. I'm, I'm an anxious eater. It's never helped my anxiety. But at the same time, what these books are doing is it kind of goes a step beyond that, I find. So her emphasis is placed on noticing your cravings for food and then directing those cravings to God. But you're supposed to get hungry. Like, you are a human being. You are an animal. You're supposed to get hungry. You're not. No, you're God's creation, Sarah. You're not an animal. You are the Lord's. You're made in the Lord's image. So if we're turning for food for anything other than sustenance, we can learn how to let God take care of it. So that's what she says. That's like more intense than the Pope's five rules. Like the gluttony. Yeah. Yeah, Like the the old Pope, like old school Pope's five rules. It's like. It can it can only sustain you. You can't even enjoy it one bit. Yeah. See, remember um, in an, a podcast past where I said that Christians hate the fun and you were like, no. And I was like, they don't even like food, man. Like they don't even let you enjoy food. They're just like only sustenance allowed. I don't know, man. You've never been to a Baptist potluck. Well, every every church event that I've ever been to has not ever subscribed to this. Like this is like kind of this like specific evangelical stuff. Probably like very, I feel like Americans are like, they make Canadians look good. I know. <laughs> they're, they're like a step beyond. I don't know how else to say it. It's funny. It's just like in all ways. They think Canadians are so nice. And I'm like, man, Canadians have their own fucking problems. But we're not as bad as that. Yeah. Okay, so Lisa Turkhurst, who wrote this book, she's like, obviously, how can I make a bunch of money? And it's just the exact same grifter peddling shit that is always in diet books, which is intuitive eating. Or, you know, if you have craving, just just redirect it. Or brush your teeth if you have a craving. Like, none of this fucking... Drink three glasses of water before a meal. Yeah. It's all the same shit. Like, there is no difference. You'll see this. I have three diet books to talk about. Four, actually. And they're all Mm -hmm. the same. Okay. So, I want to send you a quote from the book to read. So, this is a quote from Me to Crave. I believe God made us to crave. Now, before you think this is some sort of cruel joke by God... Let me assure you that the object of our craving was never supposed to be food or things other people find themselves consumed by, such as sex or money or chasing after significance. Think about the definition of the word craving. How would you define it? Dictionary.com defines craving as something you long for, want greatly, desire eagerly, and beg for. Sounds like sex. Um, (laughs) Now consider the expression of craving. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Psalms 84, 1-2. Okay. So that is 
like essentially the philosophy of the whole book and from what i read this this summed it up pretty well exactly what i just said it's like you weren't supposed to crave food you're supposed to crave jesus so but the devil but the devil the devil wants you to crave other things so like obviously your cravings for food are just the works of devil and demons i mean that's obvious and yeah so that is the philosophy of that book and that's all there is to it i mean in my opinion why does any diet book have to be more than 20 pages like frankly there's not much to fucking talk about ask sean mcdowell his intermittent fasting book was 25 pages his was 25 pages he doesn't need 400 pages of filler like this is a lot of fucking filler because what she just said is exactly the book she just reiterates that over and over again so that's the book made to crave um that one's like one of the most popular ones there's another one that i read and I actually thoroughly read this one for some fucking reason. I thought you were going to say thoroughly enjoyed. No. Maybe you did. Well, it was kind of funny, but it's called The Daniel Plan. I thought it was going to be funnier. I know about this. I know about this. Oh, you do? What do you know about The Daniel Plan? Well, it's based on like the Daniel diet, the Daniel fast. It's like only vegetables and water and fruit. And... So this one's a little different for some reason. They let them eat other stuff. It's actually just like a really fucking basic diet book where they're just like, you know, eat well. And like, it's like a very low calorie, but it's not just like vegetables and fruit. There are like carbs in there. So when I actually read this book, they didn't talk about Daniel as much as I thought they would, but it is a 40 day plan based on the story of Daniel eating vegetables and water instead of meat and wine, basically. How different is that from like any fitspiration shit that you've seen online in like the past 20 years? But this book, I thought it would be funnier And it was just really boring, but it was authored by Rick Warren, who is assumed to be retired evangelical mega church pastor. So he's... I know who Rick Warren is. Do you? Okay. Yes. Yes. And I didn't. And so I just like Googled a bit, but he is almost retired, but he is a pastor in the largest church in California. I don't think he's that controversial though. I don't think so either. I think he's just like a pretty regular dude. (laughs) I think he's a pretty regular multimillionaire mega church pastor. So... (laughs) Okay. I mean, like, I don't think he's, I don't think he's a pedophile and I don't think he sexually assaulted anyone. <laughs> Whoa. The bar has never been lower for Sarah. It has never been lower. It is on, the, it is through the ground. It is in the depths of hell for Sarah. If you're not a pedophile and if you haven't sexually assaulted <laughs> women, you're pretty normal. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. But you are right. He doesn't have any salacious scandals. <laughs> no adultery. So he wrote this book along with two doctors. Um, the first doctor is named Dr. Da- Daniel Amen. And I'm not even fucking joking. That is his name. And then um, by Dr. Mark Hyman. Not as funny. But so the forward in the book, he realizes that he needs to be healthier and lose weight. And then he evangelizes it to the whole church and like is like, who's going to join me? And everyone's like, yeah. It's like the biggest loser. Yeah. But mega church version. And then this is a quote from the book. He says, since I knew nothing about getting healthy, I recruited three nationally known doctors, Dr. Daniel Amen, Dr. Mark Hyman, and Dr. Mehmet Oz (laughs) to coach me into getting healthy and help me design the Daniel plan. So (laughs) when I saw that, I was like, shit. But unfortunately that was like, the funniest thing from this book the rest is kind of boring is it like good advice actually you know what it didn't seem bad it says it's far more than a diet it's a lifestyle program well all of them say this by the way it's not a diet it's a lifestyle it's based on 
biblical principles and five essential components. Food, fitness, focus, faith, and friends. It's always more effective when we can do alliteration. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the thing that I do like about this book, and I, okay, I don't like the actual like food plan because it's super restrictive, but I did like, I like the fitness aspect. They were like, you just, just get up and walk around, like get up and do light stretches and just whatever gets you moving. It's good to move. Like I, I, I liked that aspect of it. I think this some of the advice was good yeah so yeah it kind of goes through the five f's the five f's nice yeah the food focus focus faith and friends and talks about each one and what that means then a bunch of people from the church did it and then they all lost weight and blah 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 blah. and i'm sure they've all gained it back because that's how diets work so that's the daniel plan it's not that interesting i know no. but it was co-authored by dr oz so so then i read it i i was bored of the daniel plan and then i wanted to read a different one so i found one called thin within and I chose it because it has a very funny name. Thin Within. It was written by Judy Wardell Halliday and Arthur Halliday. They are married. She's an RN and he's a medical doctor. So the book was originally published in 1985, but it's still around. I'm sure it's been like revised since then. I read the preview on Google Books and the one that I read was from 2002. They also hold, hold workshops and go around to churches. When the book was originally written, Judy wasn't even a Christian. So then she became a Christian like really shortly after the book was published. Oh, and cool. then some things were revised. So this is something that she says in the foreword of the book. It says, quote, he gave me a ravenous appetite for his word. I learned that much about what we are teaching in Thin Within was aligned with the Bible. That was thrilling. But some was not. That was embarrassing. <laughs> embarrassing. Embarrassing. And then she's like, I didn't even know anything about the Bible. How embarrassing. Like she kept saying that she was embarrassed. Like it's it's okay, Judy. So it goes on about how Jesus loves you just the way you are over and over and over again, except you should lose weight. Like, so it's kind of this theme of this completely opposite idea of God loves you and has made you the way you are, but you're too fat. And I think that that doesn't go together. Like, at all. Like, just let people be fat. I don't know. Like, I don't understand why we're why God would even care. So, luckily, it's not super legalistic. That's good. Which is nice. So, it's not like, you're going to go to hell. It is a little more light. There's a lot of quizzes. And I was like, okay. Like, just like a thousand quizzes oh to, like, rate where you are on, like, certain scales. But basically, it's just a book about intuitive eating. Because nice. it says at the beginning, it's like, we don't count calories. So, this is what you're going to learn. Number one, eat slowly. Stop before you're full. Things like that take slow bites like it's very like 1990s yeah eat slowly chew 25 times yeah like a lot of shit like that and then drink three gulps of water before you eat anything else you're pretty much on the nose they also call losing weight the releasing of weight like release as in like your adipose tissue is like really demons and you're just releasing them or i think so i really do yeah and then they they said one of their bible verses that they kind of go by is together we will feast on the sustenance of god who has promised to be so incredibly satisfying you will take and see that the lord is good psalm 34 8 so a lot of bible verses that are just like god is all you need you don't need to actually eat food god is all you need and then you die of starvation basically <laughs> Basically, it's a 30-day plan. Each chapter is like, you know, day one, do this. Day two, do this. And each of them are like a devotional slash like lifestyle change slash try to love yourself, but also don't be fat. So it's just like, I don't know what the fuck you're going to figure out at the end of this book. <laughs> they have workshops and webinars and such. Yeah. And anyway, they're still around. And I guess they must be successful because they're still around. They've been around since 1985. So, and then just a really interesting 
scripture that was in their book that made me laugh. It's Psalm eighty one ten. What a Psalm Psalms? verses about Um Psalms is just a collection of like different worship songs, different poems that are all mashed together. Yeah. A lot of them have to do with just sustenance and God. But it says, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. <laughs> Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. There's another psalm, I think it's Psalm 42 or Psalm 43, that says, like a deer thirsts for water, God, I thirst for you. So it's like, I feel like that theme would be all through the psalms. Yeah, yeah. A lot of like, kind of sexual, but kind of not. Sexual if you think about opening your mouth and taking it, but not sexual when you're in the context of not having a mind in the gutter at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there you go. So we're done the first three books. There is kind of this overarching theme of if you're craving food, just crave God instead. It just seems like all the things that are toxic within diet culture, but instead of using the weight loss as the motivation, it's like using God as the motivation, but also like the goal is losing weight. You are more than your cravings to eat. You can can fill that God-shaped hole in your stomach with God and not food. That's, yeah. And I think that 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 is true because we're all trying to... we're trying to fill that hole in us with something and obviously people choose food and then what you're going to do in this situation is just give up one addiction for another and then it'll just be like one of those really weird christians that it's like really intense and i think that that is (laughs) true like that can't not be true well some people just get really intense about i don't know if you've ever like known like a beach body coach or like oh well that's an mlm so don't even fucking get me started someone that's really really into weight watchers like i feel like they're you know there are people like that is their whole life do you not remember me I remember oh I remember you looking at me with so much hate in your eyes when I was eating a sandwich and you're like all I get to eat today is soup because I'm on a soup the soup soup diet diet. the soup diet that was you know what's funny the soup diet that I did years ago that was before I ever even did bodybuilding and that's what I was referring to. I didn't. I forgot about the soup diet. Oh man! And with the bodybuilding, you'd be like, "Oh, I feel I feel good today because I've gotten to have half a sweet potato." And I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> like I have my own issues sometimes with with food, but like, man, yeah. bodybuilding was not a good time. Bodybuilding is just a way for people with eating disorders to fuel their eating disorders and then people without eating disorders like me to create eating disorders but then so much binging after because you'd you'd have like all these chips and chocolate and all these things you love that you would gorge on like right after yeah so i mean obviously we just kind of jumped into that but i did bodybuilding like the bikini shows when i was in my early 20s and then i did two shows the first one after i did that I lost like all my hair basically <laughs> because I start I just didn't have any self-control after that because I basically starved myself for like six months and then ate whatever I wanted for like six months after that and that was a really bad idea. <laughs> I'm so sorry, I'm horrible. And that can really fuck up your metabolism, by the way. And it, it it's all good. My hair is back. As it's you back. Can tell. <laughs> I lost more hair at that point than I did postpartum. See, that's like crazy. Oh my god, I lost at least three times more hair when I I was balding. So yes, those are our experiences with Thai culture. Yeah, the soup diet. Oh God. Anyway, I mean we've all done those stupid crash diets and done really dumb shit and not even in the name of the Lord. So how dare we? <laughs> the soup diet. My favorite diet book and diet story is the story of the Way Down Workshop. We touched on it at the beginning of the podcast. There is a documentary called The Way Down, which is spelled W-A-Y. The Way Down Workshop is spelled W-E-I-G-H. So The Way Down Workshop, W-E-I-G-H. 
is a workshop that was developed by a woman named Gwen Shamblin. So Gwen Shamblin, Sarah, you have to just Google Gwen Shamblin. Okay. Okay. So S H A M B L I N. Google this, and everyone listening, Google her, and then we'll just continue. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there must be like ten bumpets there. Oh my. <laughs> bumpets. <laughs> when was it? When is this? Like recently. Yeah. Like she was around, like very very recently. <laughs> wow. So this is an HBO documentary. Which is based on Gwen Chamblin's life. HBO. Okay, cool. Wow. So, okay, so Gwen Chamblin just has ridiculous hair. You know what's crazy? The craziest thing about the hair is that in the documentary, they barely talk about it. I was like, that is all I want to know. Like, I don't care about anything else. Like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> it was, like, touched on for 30 <laughs> seconds. So Gwen Chamblin, when she first created the workshop, her hair was normal. Okay, so I'll just put that out there. Okay. The program was most popular in the 1990s. It was actually close to popularity as some secular weight loss programs. Oh, wow. It addressed weight loss in the context of food addiction. And then she founded her church in 1999. So she started the workshop in 1986, started her church in 1999. The church is called the Remnant Fellowship, and it's in Tennessee. And it's a mega church. So there's an HBO Max documentary called The Way Down, as I said. It details kind of the dark side of her church and her workshop because... Oh, it's a doozy. So I watched the documentary a while back and there's two seasons. When the documentary starts, so basically they were filming this documentary in like 2019, 2020, and then she dies in a plane crash in 2021, like right before the documentary is released. Oh, shit. So her and six other members of the church die in a plane crash. So it actually is quite sad. Yeah, that sucks. However, she is a monster. If we're going to believe what this documentary says she's not a good person so she was raised in a church called the church of christ which is a very extreme yep. non-denominational. i know it. oh what do you know about the church of christ oh i went on a mission trip to jamaica with the church of christ stop yeah back in 2005 wow i thought you went with the baptist church no nope. turns out no so what did you learn about the church of christ there because i think they're pretty extreme they're pretty extreme i think they believe that if you're not baptized, then you go to hell. And I think they're pretty misogynistic, like, and like more misogynistic than other churches. I think they're very traditional. I don't even think that women are like basically allowed to talk. From what I understand, it's very misogynistic. So she grew up in the Church of Christ, but obviously, like, she was clearly in a leadership role. So it wasn't like she. She was, but what, what she kind of did was bring her misogynistic views with her. Because she's still, even though she's a woman, she has misogynistic views. Or had, because she is not alive anymore. I think we all do, right? To a certain extent. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It's kind of just baked into the culture. So should I talk about the documentary first or should I talk about the actual book first? Um, Book and then documentary. Okay. Because I assume that the documentary has a lot to do with what happened to people as a result of getting involved with the book and the workshops. Yep, basically. So the first 36 pages are available for free uh, as a preview on Google Books. I didn't feel like buying it, so I truly think the first 20 to 30 pages of any diet book is more than enough <laughs> because it's just the same shit over and over again yeah the first section of the book is titled become a thin eater 
So yeah, we know that's going to be all good and positive things. Become a thin eater. We just learned that actually about this in Thin Within because Thin Within is about being a thin eater, right? Like eating slow, eating intuitive eating, stopping before you're full. It's the same fucking thing. Yeah, eating eating less. It's the same thing. And actually this book was written the same year as Thin Within was originally written. So it's just, that's also strange. I mean, I think it was a lot of the secular ideology just re- rebranded right yeah just add jesus yeah uh the essentials as a section is that you should fill your life and heart with god when you are feeling hungry because food is not going to satisfy you the way that god can uh also only eat when you're truly hungry so i guess it's like intuitive eating she says man-made rules will not work god is too smart for that the root of all your problems with food is that you aren't turning to god wow and she's like way more straightforward and like way less nice than thin within like thin within is a lot more graceful she's like no you aren't god enough and that shines through a lot in the documentary so she thinks that your weight is a direct correlation to how much self-control and how much space god has in your life yes it's like virtuous right to be thin in her point of view yes oh my god and she was very thin and so so she has this quote she has there's a lot of um these scandalous things that she has said throughout her life and i have a quote okay so she's talking during a deposition By the way, she's talking about the Holocaust. So she says, when people were in prison camps and ate less food, they lost weight. All of them. So she said that in a deposition during a court case alleging Shamblin infringed on her employees' religious freedom by requiring them to attend Remnant Fellowship as part of their employment uh, in the diet program. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Okay. And then they said, Mrs. Shamblin, surely... You're not making a comparison between the forced starvation of a population and middle-class American eating habits. Are you honestly doing that? Then then she says, I have been for 15 years, and a lot of people have responded. Wow. Yeah, so that quote, that direct quote is in the documentary, and so she has said that multiple times. You know, there's the idea that there are, like, everyone has, like, you know, different body compositions not everyone can be rail thin no matter how little they eat right of course it is that and that is true like a lot of people no matter how much they Mm -hmm. diet sometimes they gain more weight it's that is literally just the truth of the world but she doesn't think that she thinks that everybody can be rail thin and then that's when the holocaust thing comes in she's like oh you saw see the people of the holocaust oh my god God." okay so yes genetics play a role and there is a normal curve of distribution for the weight that you're gonna be if you're quote unquote healthy but of course when people are in a prison camp and they are deprived of any food and made to work all the fucking time of course they're going to be rail thin that is awful i can't even believe that yeah so she so she said that i just had to put that in here because like it just really gives you an idea of gwen shamblin she has she said that multiple times she truly believed it and this is how she ran her church So we're going to get into the documentary. So the things that you learn in the documentary, it's very troubling. All in all, this is a total cult. They're super controlling in many ways. The church consumes the lives of the congregation. The way that cults are defined, this fits every single category to a T. Like, I mean, whether or not you believe that, like, what a cult actually is, the definitions of cult aren't terribly agreed upon across the board. But there are a lot of similarities. There are multiple meanings for the word cult because sometimes it just it just translates to religious group. Other times it's more like 
Exactly. But there's a lot of like, characteristics of cults that are pretty much across the board, which is like controlling your members, taking their money, not letting them do anything outside the church. Like it's a lot of that. So they're super controlling. They're obsessed with weight loss and image because the philosophies of her diet books are essentially intertwined with the theology of the church. So she was like the main preacher of the church which is very rare to have like a woman in charge women are definitely definitely upper underrepresented across most denominations yeah but like for her she's like i'm just gonna open my own church and like fuck it so she she seemed just like really greedy she lived in like a compound like she she, like there's people in her congregation that like are not getting paid to do work and she's like very living a very lavish lifestyle many people were just damaged by this church so the whole documentary and i didn't love the documentary i just didn't think it was like terribly well made but that's just my opinion and who cares right if you just kind of read between the lines of these people's stories this is very culty and this is like she's trying to control these people they basically interview a bunch of former church attendees people that like worked at the church there was like one girl that like used to do glenn shamblin's hair so like that's the only time they ever talked about the hair and people that yeah you go to the church you have to do the way down workshop um people would lose a bunch of weight because they were starving themselves and they'd gain it all back not shocking not shocking so she founded this church with her husband a couple years before she died, she divorced her husband and then married some like actor guy named Joe Lara, who was not a Christian, but was a gold digger. There's tons of allegations against them, including child abuse. Um, they were brought to court because there was a couple in the church whose child died due to abuse. And they said that Gwen Shamblin told them to discipline their child this way. What they used to do in the church is like to get kids to shut up. They would whip them with like glue sticks like those really long glue sticks and whip them with them and leave like welts i know so so that just this is the documentary so in 2021 she dies in a plane crash the church has put out a pretty lengthy statement denying all the allegations against them if you go to their website it's like there's like a whole section just denying the hbo documentary and that's pretty much it about gwen shamblin and the remnant fellowship but it goes to show that there are like entire churches that are dedicated to losing weight and being skinny for Jesus. So do you want to watch TikToks? I can definitely watch it. I can always watch TikToks. Okay. This is a prayer for supernatural weight loss. Father, in Jesus name, I just lift up this person to you right now. And I just command everything going on in their body, causing weight gain to start leaving the body right now. I speak to the fat cells to shrink right now in Jesus' name. (laughs) Every food addiction, every coping mechanism relating to food right now be broken in Jesus' name. Any compulsive eating having to do with emotional trauma right now, I just speak healing over that trauma right now in Jesus' name. Liposuction in Jesus' name. To become the weight that God intended it to become right now. Total health and life in Jesus' name. Her whole TikTok is literally just her doing prayers like this for people. And all the comments are like, can you pray for my, you know, my sick dog? That in Jesus' name, that was, that was something. So you said in the demons episode that Jesus' name is the cheat code for everything. But apparently weight loss as well. So, so the next TikToks that I found are unfortunately more about fitness because there weren't a lot, a lot of Christian weight loss ones, but the fitness ones are really good. Modesty at the gym. Ooh. All right. Ready? As Christian women, we have a responsibility to be modest in those sports bras. You want to wear a shirt that covers the chest, 
and we don't want to show any hoo-ha so you want to tie a jacket around the waist and let the sleeves uh, fall to the front and we don't want to show any panty lines nor do we want to show any see-through leggings so you want to make sure that the hoodie is covering the full backside so you see we can still look cute while respecting our brothers and sisters in christ so did you know <laughs> did she say end it with we can still look cute by respecting our brothers and sisters in Christ? Yes. Oh my God, she's acknowledging that women sometimes lust after women? That's so progressive. Wow. Oh my God. You know what? I think you're giving her a little too much credit, but <laughs> but that is very progressive. Um, the rest of it can't say it's very progressive. She doesn't want to show off her, what she calls a hoo-ha. Which is more like a camel toe. Yeah. So uh, we cannot be having anyone looking at our camel toes. Just wear leggings and a big ass shirt. You don't even have to have a hoodie around there. And you're like, imagine trying to do squats and you're like, got to make sure the sleeves are in front of my hoo-ha. Like, <laughs> my <what> hoo-ha. <laughs> But yeah, so she um she she's showing what you have to wear at the gym for a modest Christian woman and I there are multiple TikToks about that. The next TikTok is what you're supposed to do dedicating a workout to God. Yeah. You need to make sure that when you go to the gym as a Christian, there is a checklist that you must follow and this man has the information. Here are three steps to dedicate your workout to God. Step number 1, pray. Before you walk into the gym, you want to pray in your car or in some alone space. Dear God, thank you for bringing me to the gym. Humble my presence and exalt your own presence in this gym. Help me be strong and drive me in this gym. And just help me have a great workout through you, God. Amen. That's step one. Step two, listen to godly music in the gym. You want to honor God with your workout, so you want to listen to music that honors him, naturally. And step three, leave the gym, pray again. Dear God, thank you for letting me have a blessed workout. Um, I hope that my presence, or that your presence impacted somebody in the gym. And just help me have a great rest of my day. Amen. And that's how you dedicate your workout to God in the gym. I just want to say that being a Christian in this regard just sounds so tiring. Very mentally exhausting. Can you just go to the gym? Does nope. everything need to be about God and Jesus? Like everything. It's like you get to the gym, you have to pray. You have to pray um, at the gym. Jesus is God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I Slip of the tongue. Jesus is or God and God. Well, okay. Jesus slash God, same thing. But like, can I just be, no, you can't be a person. You can't, it's all, everything you do has to honor God. And like, I just can't imagine how mentally taxing that is. You have to be like constantly thinking about God, constantly praying. I always found it interesting because Muslims, for instance, they pray five times a day. So they have like a bell and then they face Mecca and they, they do their prayer and then they live their lives. But Christians, it's like, no, you're like, you are supposed to be constantly praying every day. I know obviously not every Christian is all the time, yeah. but. I guess we're just talking about like the more extreme Christians, obviously, because we know people that aren't doing this. But something that this reminded me of when we when I was watching this is that how much guilt I felt when I was a Christian. You're just never, ever enough. You're never enough. You're never, well, you're never thin enough, but you're also just like, if you go to the gym without praying beforehand, oh, you better be asking God for forgiveness. What if a secular song comes on? You got to listen to Jesus music the whole time you work out. Are you fucking serious? What if you forget your headphones and you're just listening to what's on at the gym? Do you have to apologize to God for that? Like, it's just seems so utterly just plug exhausting. plug your ears and run. <laughs> And plug your ears and breath. <laughs> oh, God. But no, honest, honestly, like, I think the amount of mental space that was taken up in my brain when I was a Christian 
just with regards to, yeah, worrying about if I was doing things right or wrong and if I was being a good witness. That takes up a lot of mental space that you can be putting towards other more productive things. Maybe just trying to be like a better person. Like I just, I do remember like how much anguish you went through like near the end of your time as a Christian because you, yeah, you're like, am I a good person? Am I a bad person? Like, and then all you did was do that and like go to school. Like there was no room for anything else. There's no room for friendships. There's no room for love. And it's so very self-focused because you can be like, no, I'm focusing on God. But if you're constantly worrying about where you fall in relation to God and like how how good you're being Mm -hmm. and you can't just be, you can't just live, Mm -hmm. you can't just be a human, it gets really, really, it's just a lot. It's very tiring. And I mean, I know obviously this is not the experience of every single Christian. Probably this is probably not what Jesus said to do whether you think he's God or a man that is no longer alive. So those are the TikToks. I hope that was interesting in some regard. Like, I also really wanted to touch, like, on fat phobia, but we didn't touch on that. I think that everyone who's listening to this, which is all people we know, they need to go listen to Maintenance Phase. It's my favorite podcast in the whole world. I did want to say that anybody who has struggled with body image... And that's probably every single woman that's listening to this should listen to Maintenance Phase and you'll probably feel a lot better about the fact that you have probably failed at diets and that diet and wellness culture is bullshit and that it'll really help you with your fat phobia because I truly just think everybody's fat phobic and it's something that as a society we need to change. So that is not to do with Christianity, but I just you know, while researching this episode, it just kept coming up. Like fat phobia really kept coming up in my brain. And I just try to do my part to educate people. So, and I think especially for women too, like I know obviously there is fat phobia towards men too, but I think women were always more valued in society traditionally when we take up a less space, whether that's physically or socially or verbally, emotionally, you know, we're not, we're not too much. We're not too intense. And so... I think that, like, that has all been directed towards women and, like, thin is better. Less of me is better. But, like, so wrong. So negative. That hit me That hit me really hard, what you just said, because I am somebody with a big personality and some people don't like that. And I've struggled a lot with that, especially in the last 10 years, about taking up a lot of social and verbal space that I almost feel guilty for doing, but I'm starting to try to accept that about myself. So that really actually, like, that was like a dagger through the heart, Sarah. I love that. That was very well put. Thank you. So story time with Sarah is our next segment that we should get to. And would you like to get us started? Welcome to story time with Sarah. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a story from our favorite book, the Bible. Yeah, so the story this week is going to be fairly short because as Jessica mentioned before, the Bible really does not speak on the ideal body weight, you know, the ideal woman, the ideal man, the ideal non-binary person. So I am just going to be talking about the story of Daniel, which is found in conveniently in the book of Daniel, (laughs) chapter 10. Um, So basically Daniel was 
Daniel was a Jew that lived back in like 160 BC and he was refusing to worship um, anyone other than God. So Daniel was essentially like not a slave, but kind of a slave. They were, they were there to become really strong and be in service of the king of Persia. So basically in the second Kings 25, they king Jehoiachin, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he had a certain diet that he wanted everyone to follow to be like strong and the diet consisted mostly of like wine and meat. But Daniel, because pig and horse were forbidden, they would violate the Jewish food taboo. So basically Daniel was like, nope. I'm not going to have the wine. I'm not going to have the meat. I just want to eat fruits and vegetables, drink water. Hopefully he had some whole grains in there or else he's going to be real, real, real tired. Um, (laughs) Just not enough energy. But basically he was like, let me do my thing. And then you'll see how strong I am after a certain period of time. And he was more strong than everyone. Is that the original keto diet? No, no, he didn't do keto. Oh, because he did His plan was to only eat vegetables and water. Oh, yeah. Sounds like the soup diet that I did. (laughs) Yeah. So the reasons that he didn't want to eat the Babylonian food was because it contained unclean meats like horse and pig. The animals were not properly killed. Because if you look at multiple religions like Judaism, Islam, there's a certain way that the animals need to be killed and blessed by a priest or an imam in order for it to be considered like clean meat. And some of the animals were offered as sacrifice to pagan gods. So essentially, Daniel was like, nope, not doing that. I'm just going to eat some vegetables and I'm going to be stronger than them. And then he was. But I don't honestly, I don't think that's a good argument for the vegetarian diet. Though some people do call it Daniel's diet, focusing more heavily on vegetables. I mean, we should all eat more vegetables, I guess. It's good for you. Good vitamins are great. We should all eat more vegetables. If you look at the Seventh Day Adventists, that's one of the reasons why they don't eat meat because of like daniel's diet they don't eat meat well they okay none of the adventists seventh day adventists there's a high proportion of them that are vegetarian because of okay because it's also said that before the fall there was no death so humans would only be like following like a vegetarian diet like there wouldn't be any death of animals or people okay people who are also animals yep (laughs) so yeah i basically i guess all that is to say is that i'm glad that daniel was like i'm gonna have vegetables and water instead of being like i'm gonna fast for 40 days because not everyone is a supernatural being and not everyone can survive without food and water wow that was a riveting story time i will say uh, probably the worst story time with sarah ever I'm you sorry. know what it's i think the most telling thing about it is that if that's the only bible story that has to really do with dieting to be strong or whatever because i mean they do kind of talk about food in the bible with like the body of christ like yeah like there are certain laws on how yeah how things need to be prepared and not eating like shellfish and not eating but that's boring not eating certain types of meats did you know the story in acts though when like Peter conveniently has a dream and God's like, you can eat all the meat now. And he's like, I'm going to go get bacon now. That's what happens. <laughs> he like had a dream and he's like, now everyone, Christians, you're allowed to eat. You're allowed to eat whatever the fuck you want. That's why, that's why Christians can eat meat. There's a lot of people that like have visions and dreams and then everyone's like, great, 
we're just gonna run with that. Like I, I don't. You know, I've had some real fucked up dreams. Yeah. And I yes. don't think that people should follow them as as anything. We should have a new segment, which is like our fucked up dreams and whether or not people should now use that as gospel. All right. On that note. And what did we learn today, Sarah? We learned that you take up as much fucking space as you want, women. Physically. Emotionally. Mentally. Verbally. Take up the space because who gives a fuck what anyone thinks of you. Spread those legs on the subway as far as you want. I think that if you're not, if, if people have a problem with you being loud and proud, then they can they can just shut up themselves. And I say that as somebody who has a really, really hard time with the fact that a lot of people don't like me because of how loud and proud I am. <laughs> so, And if you don't like loud noise, wear noise-canceling headphones. Yeah, guys. It's a, you, it's a you problem. It's a you problem. You should all wear earplugs around me. There's your, there's your lesson. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. And we hope that your New Year's resolution isn't about weight loss and is more about understanding the people around you and maybe getting more sleep. Yeah. Getting more sleep, eating good food, eat your vegetables. But also eat cake because cake is delicious. If you want cake, eat whatever the fuck you want. You can put spinach in hot chocolate. I'm not even... What? I know. I've ruined... I've ruined everything.